Part Nine of Mopsa the Fairy by Jean Ingelow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter Fourteen: Reeds and Rushes. Tis merry, tis merry in Fairyland when fairy birds are singing, when the court doth ride by their monarch's side with bit and bridle ringing. Walter Scott. There were many fruit trees on that slope of the mountain, and Jack and Mopsa, as they came down, gathered some fruit for breakfast, and did not feel very tired, for the long ride on the wing had rested them. They could not see the plain, for a slight blue mist hung over it, but the sun was hot already, and as they came down they saw a beautiful bed of high reeds, and thought they would sit a while and rest in it. A rill of clear water ran beside the bed, so when they had reached it, they sat down and began to consider what they should do next. "'Jack,' said Mopsa, "'did you see anything particular as you came down with the shooting stars?' "'No, I saw nothing so interesting as they were,' answered Jack. "'I was looking at them, and watching how they squeaked to one another, and how they had little hooks in their wings, with which they held the large wing that we sat on.' But I saw something, said Mopsa. Just as the sun rose, I looked down, and in the loveliest garden I ever saw, and all among trees and woods, I saw a most beautiful castle. Oh, Jack, I am sure that castle is the place I am to live in, and now we have nothing to do but to find it. I shall soon be a queen, and there I shall reign. Then I shall be king there, said Jack, shall I? Yes, if you can, answered Mopsa. Of course, whatever you can do, you may do. And Jack, this is a much better fairy country than either the stony land or the other that we first came to, for this castle is a real place. It will not melt away. There the people can work. They know how to love each other. Common fairies cannot do that, I know. They can laugh and cry, and I shall teach them several things that they do not know yet. Oh, do let us make haste and find the castle. So they arose, but they turned the wrong way, and by mistake walked further and further in among the reeds, whose feathery heads puffed into Mopsa's face, and Jack's coat was all covered with the fluffy seed. This is very odd, said Jack. I thought this was only a small bed of reeds when we stepped into it, but really we must have walked a mile already. But they walked on and on till Mopsa grew quite faint, and her sweet face became very pale, for she knew that the bed of reeds was spreading faster than they walked, and then they shot up so high that it was impossible to see over their heads. So at last Jack and Mopsa were so tired that they sat down and Mopsa began to cry. However, Jack was the braver of the two this time, and he comforted Mopsa, and told her that she was nearly a queen, and would never reach her castle by sitting still. So she got up and took his hand, and he went on before, parting the reeds and pulling her after him, till all on a sudden they heard the sweetest sound in the world. It was like a bell, and it sounded again and again. It was the castle clock and it was striking twelve at noon. 
as it finished striking they came out at the further edge of the great bed of reeds and there was the castle straight before them a beautiful castle standing on the slope of a hill the grass all around it was covered with beautiful flowers two of the taller turrets were overgrown with ivy and a flag was flying on a staff but everything was so silent and so lonely that it made one sad to look on as jack and mopsa drew near they trod as gently as they could and did not say a word all the windows were shut but there was a great door in the centre of the building and they went towards it hand in hand what a beautiful hall the great door stood wide open and they could see what a delightful place this must be to live in it was paved with squares of blue and white marble and here and there carpets were spread with chairs and tables upon them they looked and saw a great dome overhead filled with windows of coloured glass and they cast down blue and golden and rosy reflections there is my home that i shall live in said mopsa and she came close to the door and they both looked in till at last she let go of jack's hand and stepped over the threshold the bell in the tower sounded again more sweetly than ever and the instant mopsa was inside there came from behind the fluted columns which rose up on every side the brown doe followed by troops of deer and fawns mopsa mopsa cried jack come away come back but mopsa was too astonished to stir and something seemed to hold jack from following but he looked and looked till as the brown doe advanced the door of the castle closed mopsa was shut in and jack was left outside so mopsa had come straight to the place she thought she had run away from but i am determined to get her away from those creatures thought jack she does not want to reign over deer and he began to look about him hoping to get in it was of no use all the windows in the front of the castle were high and when he tried to go round he came to a high wall with battlements against some parts of this wall the ivy grew and looked as if it might have grown there for ages its stems were thicker than his waist and its branches were spread over the surface like network so by means of them he hoped to climb to the top he immediately began to try oh how high the wall was first he came to several sparrows nests and very much frightened the sparrows were then he reached starlings nests and very angry the starlings were but at last just under the coping he came to jackdaw's nests and these birds were very friendly and pointed out to him the best little holes for him to put his feet into at last he reached the top and found to his delight that the wall was three feet thick and he could walk upon it quite comfortably and look down into a lovely garden where all the trees were in blossom and creepers tossed their long tendrils from tree to tree covered with puffs of yellow or bells of white or bunches and knots of blue or rosy bloom he could look down into the beautiful empty rooms of the castle and he walked cautiously on the wall till he came to the west front and reached a little casement window that had latticed panes jack peeped in nobody was there 
he took his knife and cut away a little of the lead to let out the pane and it fell with such a crash on the pavement below that he wondered it did not bring the deer over to look at what he was about nobody came he put in his hand and opened the latch and with very little trouble got down into the room still nobody was to be seen he thought that the room years ago might have been a fairy's schoolroom for it was strewn with books slates and all sorts of copy-books a fine soft dust had settled down over everything pens papers and all jack opened a copy-book its pages were headed with maxims just as ours are which proved that these fairies must have been superior to such as he had hitherto come among jack read some of them turn your back on the light and you'll follow a shadow the deaf queen fate has dumb courtiers if the hound is your foe don't sleep in his kennel that that is is and so on but nobody came and no sound was heard so he opened the door and found himself in a long and most splendid gallery all hung with pictures and spread with a most beautiful carpet which was as soft and white as a piece of wool and wrought with a beautiful device this was the letter m with a crown and sceptre and underneath a beautiful little boat exactly like the one in which he had come up the river jack felt sure that this carpet had been made for mopsa and he went along the gallery upon it till he reached a grand staircase of oak that was almost black with age and he stole gently down it for he began to feel rather shy more especially as he could now see the great hall under the dome and that it had a beautiful lady in it and many other people but no deer at all these fairy people were something like the one-foot-one fairies but much larger and more like children and they had very gentle happy faces and seemed to be extremely glad and gay but seated on a couch where lovely painted windows threw down all sorts of rainbow colours on her was a beautiful fairy lady as large as a woman she had mopsa in her arms and was looking down upon her with eyes full of love while at her side stood a boy who was exactly and precisely like jack himself he had rather long light hair and grey eyes and a velvet jacket that was all jack could see at first but as he drew nearer the boy turned and then jack felt as if he was looking at himself in the glass mopsa had been very tired and now she was fast asleep with her head on the lady's shoulder the boy kept looking at her and he seemed very happy indeed so did the lady and she presently told him to bring jack something to eat it was rather a curious speech that she made to him it was this jack bring jack some breakfast what thought jack to himself has he got a face like mine and a name like mine too so that other jack went away and presently he came back with a golden plate full of nice things to eat i know you don't like me he said as he came up to jack with the plate not like him repeated the lady and pray what reason have you for not liking my royal nephew oh dame exclaimed the boy and laughed 
the lady on hearing this turned pale for she perceived that she herself had mistaken the one for the other i see you know how to laugh said the real jack you are wiser people than those whom i went to first but the reason i don't like you is that you are so exactly like me i am not exclaimed the boy only hear him dame you mean i suppose that you are so exactly like me i am sure i don't know what you mean by it nor i either replied jack almost in a passion it couldn't be helped of course said the other jack hush hush said the fairy woman don't wake our dear little queen was it you my royal nephew who spoke last yes dame answered the boy and again he offered the plate but jack was swelling with indignation and he gave the plate a push with his elbow which scattered the fruit and bread on the ground i won't eat it he said but when the other jack went and picked it up again and said oh yes do old fellow it's not my fault you know he began to consider that it was no use being cross in fairyland so he forgave his double and had just finished his breakfast when mops awoke chapter fifteen the queen's wand one two three four one two three four tis still one two three four mellow and silvery are the tones but i wish the bells were more southy mopsa woke she was rather too big to be nursed for she was the size of jack and looked like a sweet little girl of ten years but she did not always behave like one sometimes she spoke as wisely as a grown-up woman and sometimes she changed again and seemed like a child mopsa lifted up her head and pushed back her long hair her coronet had fallen off while she was in the bed of reeds and she said to the beautiful dame i am a queen now yes my sweet queen answered the lady i know you are and you promise that you will be kind to me till i grow up said mopsa and love me and teach me how to reign yes repeated the lady and i will love you too just as if you were a mortal and i your mother for i am only ten years old yet said mopsa and the throne is too big for me to sit upon but i am a queen and then she paused and said is it three o'clock as she spoke the sweet clear bell of the castle sounded three times and then chimes began to play they played such a joyous tune that it made everybody sing the dame sang the crowd of fairies sang the boy who was jack's double sang and mopsa sang only jack was silent and this was the song the prince shall to the chase again the dame has got her face again the king shall have his place again aneath the fairy dome and all the knights shall woo again and all the doves shall coo again and all the dreams come true again and jack shall go home we shall see about that thought jack to himself and mopsa while she sang those last words burst into tears 
which Jack did not like to see, but all the fairies were so very glad, so joyous, and so delighted with her for having come to be their queen, that after a while she dried her eyes and said to the wrong boy, Jack, when I pulled the lining out of your pocket-book, there was a silver fourpence in it. Yes, said the real Jack, and here it is. Is it real money? asked Mopsa. Are you sure you brought it with you all the way from your own country? Yes, said Jack, quite sure. Then, dear Jack, answered Mopsa, will you give it to me? I will, said Jack, and you will send this boy away. How can I? answered Mopsa, surprised. Don't you know what happened when the door closed? Has nobody told you? I did not see any one after I got into the place, said Jack. There was no one to tell me anything, not even a fawn, nor the brown doe. I have only seen down here these fairy people, and this boy, and this lady. The lady is the brown doe, answered Mopsa, and this boy and the fairies were the fawns. Jack was so astonished at this that he stared at the lady and the boy and the fairies with all his might. The sun came shining in as I stepped inside, said Mopsa, and a long beam fell down from the fairy dome across my feet. Do you remember what the apple woman told us? How it was reported that the brown doe and her nation had a queen whom they shut up and never let the sun shine upon her. That was not a kind or a true report, and yet it came from something that really happened. Yes, I remember, said Jack, and if the sun did shine they were all to be turned into deer. I dare not tell you all that story yet, said Mopsa, but Jack, as the brown doe and all the fawns came up to greet me, and passed by turns into the sunbeam, they took their own forms, every one of them, because the spell was broken. They were to remain in the disguise of deer, till a queen of alien birth should come to them against her will. I am a queen of alien birth, and did not I come against my will? Yes, to be sure, answered Jack. We thought all the time that we were running away. If ever you come to Fairyland again, observed Mopsa, you can save yourself the trouble of trying to run away from the old mother. I shall not come, answered Jack, because I shall not go, not for a long time at least. But the boy, I want to know why this boy turned into another me. Because he is the heir, of course, answered Mopsa. But I don't see that this is any reason at all, said Jack. Mopsa laughed. That's because you don't know how to argue, she replied. Why, the thing is as plain as possible. It may be plain to you, persisted Jack, but it's no reason. No reason, repeated Mopsa. No reason? When I like you the best of anything in the world, and when I am come here to be queen, of course when the spell was broken he took exactly your form on that account, and very right too. But why? asked Jack. Mopsa, however, was like other fairies in this respect. She knew all about old mother fate, but not about causes and reasons. She believed, as we do in this world, that 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 is, is. 
but the fairies go further than this they say that that is is and when it is that is the reason that it is this sounds like nonsense to us but it's all right to them so mopsa thinking she had explained everything said again and dear jack will you give the silver fourpence to me jack took it out and she got down from the dame's knee and took it in the palm of her hand laying the other palm upon it it will be very hot observed the dame but it will not burn me so as to really hurt if i am a real queen said mopsa presently she began to look as if something gave her pain oh it's so hot she said to the other jack so very hot never mind sweet queen he answered it will not hurt you long remember my poor uncle and all his knights mopsa still held the little silver coin but jack saw that it hurt her for two bright tears fell from her eyes and in another moment he saw that it was actually melted for it fell in glittering drops from mopsa's hand to the marble floor and there it lay as soft as quicksilver pick it up said mopsa to the other jack and he instantly did so and laid it in her hand again and she began gently to roll it backwards and forwards between her palms till she had rolled it into a very slender rod two feet long and not nearly so thick as a pin but it did not bend and it shone so brightly that you could hardly look at it then she held it out towards the real jack and said give this a name i think it is a began the other jack but the dame suddenly stopped him silence sire don't you know that what it is first called that it will be jack hesitated he thought if mopsa was a queen the thing ought to be a sceptre but it certainly was not at all like a sceptre that thing is a wand said he you are a wand said mopsa speaking to the silver stick which was glittering now in a sunbeam almost as if it were a beam of light itself then she spoke again to jack tell me jack what can i do with a wand again the boy king began to speak and the dame stopped him and again jack considered he had heard a great deal in his own country about fairy wands but he could not remember that the fairies had done anything particular with them so he gave what he thought was a true but what seemed to him a very stupid answer you can make it point to anything that you please the moment he had said this shouts of ecstasy filled the hall and all the fairies clapped their hands with such hurrahs of delight that he blushed for joy the dame also looked truly glad and as for the other jack he actually turned head over heels just as jack had often done himself on his father's lawn jack had merely meant that mopsa could point with the wand to anything that she saw but he was presently told that what he had meant was nothing and that his words were everything i can make it point now said mopsa and it will point aright to anything i please whether i know where the thing is or not again the hall was filled with those cries of joy and the sweet childlike fairies congratulated each other with the queen has got a wand 
a wand and she can make it point wherever she pleases then mopsa rose and walked towards the beautiful staircase the dame and all the fairies following jack was going too but the other jack held him where is mopsa going and why am i not to follow inquired jack they are going to put on her robes of course answered the other jack i'm so tired of always hearing you say of course answered jack and i wonder how it is that you always seem to know what is going to be done without being told however i suppose you can't help being odd people the boy king did not make a direct answer he only said i like you very much though you don't like me why do you like me asked jack so he opened his eyes wide with surprise most boys say sire to me he observed at least they used to do when there were any boys here however that does not signify why of course i like you because i am so tired of being always a fawn and you brought mopsa to break the spell you cannot think how disagreeable it is to have no hands and to be all covered with hair now look at my hands i can move them and turn them everywhere even over my head if i like hooves are good for nothing in comparison and we could not talk do tell me about it said jack how did you become fawns i dare not tell you said the boy and listen i hear mopsa jack looked and certainly mopsa was coming but very strangely he thought mopsa like all other fairies was afraid to whisper a spell with her eyes open so a handkerchief was tied across them and as she came on she felt her way holding by the banisters with one hand and with the other between her finger and thumb holding out the silver wand she felt with her foot for the edge of the first stair and jack heard her say i am much older ah so much older now i have got my wand i can feel sorrow too and their sorrow weighs down my heart mopsa was dressed superbly in a white satin gown with a long long train of crimson velvet which was glittering with diamonds it reached almost from one end of the great gallery to the other and had hundreds of fairies to hold it and keep it in its place but in her hair were no jewels only a little crown made of daisies and on her shoulders her robe was fastened with the little golden image of a boat these things were to show the land she had come from and the vessel she had come in so she came slowly slowly down the stairs blindfold and muttering to her wand all the time though the sun shine brightly wand wand guide rightly so she felt her way down to the great hall there the wand turned half round in the hall towards the great door and she and jack and the other jack came out into the lawn in front with all the followers and train bearers only the dame remained behind jack noticed now for the first time that with the one exception of the boy king all these fairies were lady fairies he also observed that mopsa after the manner of fairy queens though she moved slowly and blindfold was beginning to tell a story this time it did not make him feel sleepy it did not begin at the beginning their stories never do these are the first words he heard for she spoke softly and very low 
while he walked at her right hand and the other jack on her left and so now i have no wings but my thoughts can go up jovinian and roxaletta could not think my thoughts are instead of wings but they have dropped with me now as a lark among the clods of the valley wand do you bend yes i am following wand and after that the bird said i will come when you call me i have never seen her moving overhead perhaps she is out of sight flocks of birds hover over the world and watch it high up where the air is thin there are zones but those in the lowest zones are far out of sight i have not been up there i have no wings over the highest of the birds is the place where angels float and gather the children's souls as they are set free and so that woman told me wand you bend again and i will turn at your bending that woman told me how it was for when the new kin was born a black fairy with a smiling face came and sat within the doorway she had a spindle and would always spin she wanted to teach them how to spin but they did not like her and they loved to do nothing at all so they turned her out but after her came a brown fairy with a grave face and she sat on the black fairy's stool and gave them much counsel they liked that still less so they got spindles and spun for they said she will go now and we shall have the black fairy again when she did not go they turned her out also and after her came a white fairy and sat in the same seat she did nothing at all and she said nothing at all but she had a sorrowful face and she looked up so they were displeased they turned her out also and she went and sat by the edge of the lake with her two sisters and everything prospered all over the land till after shearing time the shepherds because the king was a child came to his uncle and said sir what shall we do with the old wool for the new fleeces are in the bales and there is no storehouse to put them in so he said throw them into the lake and while they threw them in a great flock of finches flew to them and said give us some of the wool that you do not want we should be glad of it to build our nests with they answered go and gather for yourselves there is wool on every thorn then the black fairy said they shall be forgiven this time because the birds should pick wool for themselves so the finches flew away then the harvest was over and the reapers came and said to the child king's uncle sir what shall we do with the new wheat for the old is not half eaten yet and there is no room in the granaries he said throw that into the lake also while they were throwing it in there came a great flight of wood fairies fairies of passage from over the sea they were in the form of pigeons and they alighted and prayed them o oh cousins we are faint with our long flight give us some of that corn which you do not want that we may pack it and be refreshed but they said you may rest on our land but our corn is our own rest awhile and go and get food in your own fields then the brown fairy said they may be forgiven this once but yet it is a great unkindness 
and as they were going to pour in the last sackful there passed a poor mortal beggar who had strayed in from the men and women's world and he said pray give me some of that wheat o fairy people for i am hungry i have lost my way and there is no money to be earned here give me some of that wheat that i may bake cakes lest i and my baby should starve and they said what is starve we never heard that word before and we cannot wait while you explain it to us so they poured it all into the lake and then the white fairy said this cannot be forgiven them and she covered her face with her hands and wept then the black fairy rose and drove them all before her the prince with his chief shepherd and his reapers his courtiers and his knight she drove them into the great bed of reeds and no one has ever set eyes on them since then the brown fairy went into the palace where the king's aunt sat with all her ladies and her maids about her and with the child king on her knee it was a very gloomy day she stood in the middle of the hall and said oh you cold-hearted and most unkind my spell is upon you and the first ray of sunshine shall bring it down lose your present forms and be of a more gentle and innocent race till a queen of alien birth shall come to reign over you against her will as she spoke they crept into corners and covered the dame's head with a veil and all that day it was dark and gloomy and nothing happened and all the next day it rained and rained and they thrust the dame into a dark closet and kept her there for a whole month and still not a ray of sunshine came to do them any damage but the dame faded and faded in the dark and at last they said she must come out or she will die and we do not believe the sun will ever shine in our country any more so they let the poor dame out and lo as she crept slowly forth under the dome a piercing ray of sunlight darted down upon her head and in an instant they were all changed into deer and the child king also they are gentle now and kind but where is the prince where are the fairy knights and the fairy men wand why do you turn now while mopsa told her story the wand continued to bend and mopsa following was slowly approaching the foot of a great precipice which rose sheer up for more than a hundred feet the crowd that followed looked dismayed at this they thought the wand must be wrong or even if it was right they could not climb a precipice but still mopsa walked on blindfold and the wand pointed at the rock till it touched it and she said who is stopping me they told her and she called to some of her ladies to untie the handkerchief then mopsa looked at the rock and so did the two jacks there was nothing to be seen but a very tiny hole the boy king thought it led to a bee's nest and jack thought it was a keyhole for he noticed in the rock a slight crack which took the shape of an arched door mopsa looked earnestly at the hole it may be a keyhole she said but there is no key end of part nine